Tomas Hurdle at 75 points. The Sharks can have a better power play. Bold predictions coming. Plus, we get caught up on some of the news and notes. And uh, the San Jose Barracuda had some media availability. So what I heard from John McCarthy and Joe Will, all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked on Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast covering your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is J.D. Young, contributor at Inside the Rink, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Sharks your first listen. Probably part of the Locked on Network, we cover your team every day. And if you want to be an everyday, all you got to do is just follow along wherever you get podcasts, or you can subscribe on YouTube um, or do both. Both is great. And today we got a jam-packed episode where we're going to be talking about some of my bold predictions predictions for the sharks in the 2023-2024 season uh including tomas hurdle at 75 points it sounds crazy but i'm going to show you why it's not um then we're going to talk about the power play uh my bold prediction on the sharks and anthony juclair and alexander barabanov and get caught up on news and notes uh and the media availability from the san jose barracuda so we'll touch on that in the third segment uh before we get into everything do uh want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you guys uh by fan duel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on make every moment more right now new customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started so bold predictions and these are there's there's some bold ones in there um i know yesterday we kind of did a little bit over unders with uh our good friend max from the hockey news and these ones i wanted to get a little bolder my personal spin on, on some of these and i'm going to start with one tomas hurdle and i think hurdle sets his career high at points at 75 um and i know it i know what you're going to think how jd timo meyer is gone this team is going to be bad uh, eric carlson is gone both these players uh were key key contributors to the sharks last year and hurdle only got 63 points last year with both those guys on the team for either the entire season in eric carlson's case or majority of the season with timo meyer's case and i get it but i think the absence of both these players paves the way for our favorite Czech prince to be the guy on the Sharks and be the one C that we know he is capable of being. So I think hurdle 75 points. I think it's going to be 35 goals and 40 assists this year. And here's my reasoning behind it. The Sharks are just a deeper team in the forward group, right? With the additions of Phil Zadina, um, you have uh, Mike Hoffman, you have Anthony Duclair, we have William Equin is going to be a full-time NHL player. Actually, the Sharks are basically like a one-and-a-half-line team, right? You had Hurdle and Timo um, and whoever they cobbled together with them, and then you had 
Kator and Barabanov and kind of whoever they cobbled together with them. Now the Sharks, again, none of the players that I'm mentioning are as good as Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer uh, is an amazing player. Uh, I would love to have Timo Meyer be on the Sharks right now, but the Sharks can actually put together, I think, two competent lines, two plus competent lines. They're not the greatest lines, but they are actual NHL lines um, that that gives Hurdle a chance to be more productive. All right. Number two, big reason. He's not going to have to defer to Timo Meyer. And I know he has basically said that he kind of deferred too much to Timo Meyer last year. He was trying to help his friend uh, secure that big contract. Mission accomplished. Timo Meyer had an amazing season and scoring 40 goals last year. Um, I did say Timo Meyer was going to score 40 goals last year. I also said he was going to hit 90 points. I uh, didn't do that part, but he did hit the 40 goal uh, mark. But the numbers, I know the numbers are, aren't going to make sense, right? If you look at Hurdle's season last year, um, in 57 games with Timo Meyer on the, the roster, um, Hurdle scored 48 points in this game, which would be at 0.84 points per game. That will put you at 69 points in a season if you kept that same pace. In the uh, games after Timo Meyer, 22 games after Timo Meyer got traded, uh, he scored 15 points in those, which is a 0.68 points per game, which would put him on a pace of 56 points per game. And again, I get it, right? Remember, Tomas Hurdle last year and Timo Meyer last year started the season ice, ice cold um, before they started kind of getting going, right? Um, I think it was, you know, for, for Hurdle, it was, you know, they, they started the season over in Europe. Um, coming back, this team just kind of struggled to kind of put together any offense um, in the beginning of the season. Um, you know, he scored a goal in the very first game of the season. Um, and then he didn't score another goal until October 20th, um, which was, or so he didn't get his next point until October 20th uh, when he assisted on an Eric Carlson uh, overtime uh, game winner. Then, so that's almost like two weeks of not scoring for uh, Tomas Hurdle. I think Tomas Hurdle is going to be more consistent this year. Um, just and I think it's going to have a lot to do with just having a more deeper team and him being the guy, right? Um, there's nobody else that is going to be Thomas Hurdle's show. Um, yes, I know they have Anthony Duclair, I know Mike Hoffman has been able to score. Uh, Zadina, you, you hope he kind of takes that step. Um, but I think it's just going to be the Tomas Hurdle uh show this year, and I think the scoring. The goal scoring is going to be more productive than what we have seen from him, especially last year, because the Sharks need him to be that guy. Um, there's, again, Anthony Duclair scored two goal, scored 30 goals two years ago, but is still working his way back from an Achilles injury, right? It's, it's easy to pencil in Duclair as a potential 30-goal scorer, but what if he's just not that guy anymore? Um it's a very fair thing that could happen, right? And then Duclair could just not be the same guy he was before his Achilles injury. Uh, Mike Hoffman, yes, former 30-year-old scorer. But the last couple seasons on a bad Montreal team, he's not gotten anywhere close to that. Um, so, yes, I'm kind of – I know it sounds like I'm killing my own point, but I think 
I think the goal scoring is going to be the big thing for uh, for Tomas Hurdle. And I think there's just more options. So if Duclair doesn't work out, you do have Zadina, you do have Eklund, um, you do have Barabanov, who I think is going to be a, a more of a scorer this year. You do have Granlin, who I know can pass. Um, you know, like there, There's just more options for the Sharks. And this doesn't even include when you start to see guys like Daniel Gushin or Tristan Robbins start to kind of enter the lineup or Jacob Peterson when he comes back. Um We've seen him been able to contribute as well. I think there's just a deeper Sharks roster, not as talented as Timo Meyer, but I think it's just a deeper roster so that the Sharks can put out more competent lines. Plus, I think the power play is going to be better. And without it force feeding it to Timo Meyer, I think you're going to see a more well-distributed power play. And I think uh, Tomas Hurdle can kind of be the guy on the power play this year that is... I think Tomas Hurdle will be the power play leader in goals this year for the Sharks, um, not Timo Meyer, because I think the power play is going to be better because it's going to be, again, not as talented with Eric Carlson and Timo Meyer not around. But I think you have two competent power play units. And I think the five man forward, uh, the, the chaos approach forward group, um, I, I think there's a chance for it to be chaotic. But I think there's a chance for it to work, and we'll talk about that more here in a minute. So, Tomas Hurdle, 75 points. That is my bold prediction, uh, number one for the Sharks. So, before we continue, we talk about the power play, and then we talk more about Barrett, Banoff, and Duclair. And to get into some news notes and media availability, uh, do need to take a quick break. And talk to you guys about our good friends over at FanDuel, and if you want to snap into action uh, this NFL season, FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed if you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, uh, player props, over-unders, and more. Again, Keep hammering the, hammering the Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown until he stops because Christian McCaffrey is just going to keep scoring touchdowns um, because he's very good at, at doing that. So uh, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right. Bold prediction number two of three. The Sharks power play is going to finish the top half of the league. And again, this power play uh, was not very good last year, uh, especially with what we saw, right? Uh, the Sharks last year finished 25th at 18.4%. Um, I think last year the middle of the pack was 21.2. That's basically a 2% jump, which sounds not like a lot, but that is 10 teams basically in that jump right there, in that 2% jump. Um, I think the power play is going to be better, but here's the caveat to this. I also think the Sharks are going to lead the NHL in shorthanded goals given up because I just think it's going to be chaotic, right? Um, so they're going to be middle of the pack when it comes to power play percentage, um, but I think they're going to lead the NHL in shorthanded goals because they're not going to have a true defenseman. And I think uh, 
whether it's Graylin or whether it's so here's your your legitimate options of the f- kind of four players who will probably be running the power play at some point this year, right? You have Mikel Granlin right now, a forward. Um, you're going to have Logan Couture, I assume, when he gets back from his injury. We'll talk about Couture a little bit here in uh, the third segment. You have Henry Thrun, and then whenever Shakir Mukamadulin makes his uh, NHL debut. Those are the, the four dudes who I think are going to legitimately run uh, the power play. So you have two rookies and Henry Thrun. Shakir Mukumadulin, uh, one guy who will be making his NHL debut this season, the other guy who has a whopping eight NHL games in his belt. And then you have Logan Couture and you have uh, Mikel Granlin, both of those guys forwards who are probably playing the point. So easy to see why the Sharks could lead the NHL in shorthanded goals. That's pretty self-explanatory. But shorthanded goals... Bull doesn't kill power plays yet. You're still going to be on the power play, even if you give up a shorthanded goal. I think the chaos approach of just putting your five best forwards out there, um, I think we're going to see a more balanced power play with two perfectly cromulent power play units. Um, we're, you're not going to see as much wear and tear on your top guys because you're the only guys who can play power play minutes um, where they're going to have to kind of eat up those big minutes. I know it's easier to play on the power play than it's to play on a penalty kill. We even play at even strength because you're kind of in one third of the, the rink. But still, those are still minutes that you're out there. Um, and I think David Quinn, right? Go back to when David Quinn was first hired. And I broke down the stats of, of, of David Quinn, kind of that jump from year one to year two. So specifically, if you look at the power play, so 2018, 2019, the Rangers power play was 17th uh, in the NHL at 19.38%. The next season, um, they jumped up to 22.91. So say. Uh, not a math guy, but that's over a 3% jump uh, in from year one to year two. Seventh in the league. Again, I don't think the Sharks are going to be seventh or top 10. Uh, I'm just going to say they're they're 16 or above, right? Top half of the league. Um, one, I think there's going to be more structured power play uh, without having, I know, I know the, Eric Carlson's a wizard. I've said it many times. I love Eric Carlson. Um, but Eric Carlson kind of the entire power play ran through Eric Carlson, right? I think with this power play, it's going to be a more structured power play where it's, pat, you know, kind of setting up those one-time shots or setting up those passes um, to let, try to, to create a, an, an opportunity, right? Um, a little bit more meat and potatoes type of, of power play. Um, and I, I think still, even though it's not going to be as spectacular, I think it's just going to be more effective um, because you're not relying on Eric Carlson to have to do Eric Carlson wizard three things every, uh, every time he steps on the ice. And I just think, I think just a more, a deeper, right. Guys get hurt. uh, Guys, whatever guys get traded, whatever happens. I think you're just going to be able to kind of fill the holes in the boat a little bit more uh, as you kind of take on, you know, throughout an NHL season, right? You're, you're, you're going to lose guys to injury, um, whatever it is, especially the Sharks this year, their guys are going to get traded. I just think you're going to be able to kind of plug those holes a little bit better and kind of maintain. So I expect that, I think the power play is going to be one of the talking points from the Sharks by the end of the season on just how much better it's improved despite 
again, not having Timo Meyer uh, kind of being the sharpshooter and not having Eric Carlson, uh, you know, doing spectacular Eric Carlson things. I just think it's going to be uh, efficient. I think is a better best word. It's going to be a little bit more efficient uh, than without those guys. So, um, but I still think the chaos approach is going to be there. And I think um, it's going to, I think there's going to be a lot of short-handed opportunities. So, um, and before that we finish up, my last bold prediction. The Sharks keep one of Alexander Barabanov or Anthony Duclair. Not both, not neither. They keep one. They re-sign one to uh, an extension before the year is over. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot like how we saw with Tomas Hurdle, right? Right before the trade deadline, and then Hurdle signs his, an extension. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same thing. Gonna be one of the, or the, or the other, and here's the case for for keeping both, right? Anthony Duclair, a natural goal scorer, right? Former thirty goal scorer. Um, if he continues to kind of improve and, and rebound from that injury, um, the Sharks don't have a lot of natural goal scorers on the team. Um, he could be a nice addition for the Sharks. And yes, I know he's you know kind of mid to late twenties right now. Uh, and maybe the timeline doesn't fit, but um, you're still going to need like adults in the room. And Anthony Duclair just seems like one of those dudes who's just like a good dude to have around in the locker room. Um, and, you know, having William Eklund sling passes to Anthony Duclair sounds pretty awesome to me. Or having Will Smith or uh, Macklin Celebrini slinging passes or playing with a guy like Anthony Duclair uh, sounds pretty awesome to me. Um, so Duclair, the caveat with Duclair is um, if he go kind of comes out of the gate scoring goals, um, teams are always looking for guys who can score goals at the trade deadline and his trade value could be higher than Alexander Barabanov, even though I think Barabanov has a more well-rounded game. Um, just the goal scoring, right? Teams always need secondary goal scoring in the playoffs. Um, and I think Duclair could be that. And if he comes out of the gate strong and, you know, going into all-star weekend, if he's sitting around 20 goals or, or getting close to it, uh, a team could become calling for a guy who's on a amazing contract at $3 million uh, and offer you a late first round pick uh, for a guy like Anthony Duclair to kind of come in and be that secondary goal scorer for him. Um, again, especially at that contract at $3 million where late in the season, a team will be able to kind of manipulate the cap a little bit better to, to kind of, to fit a guy like Duclair in. So um, on the reverse side, Barabanov, right? He's been nothing but, and we, I talked with Max about this yesterday, right? He's been nothing but a great shark since he's arrived. Um, he's, you know, I think his game will, yes, he is 30 right now, but I think his one, he doesn't have a lot of NHL miles in him. I know he played, uh, you know, in the KHL and stuff, but he doesn't really have a lot of, of miles on him. So, and I don't think his game is one that is going to age poorly, right? I think his skating ability is good. I think his transition ability is great. I think his vision and his passing is what makes him, and that doesn't go away, right? Um, I'm not saying Joe Thornton, but look at Joe Thornton, right? Joe Thornton was able to kind of, not the even in his advanced age, not the best skater, definitely wants to step there, but his ability to read and see and make those passes, again, I'm not saying Alexander Barabanov is Joe Thornton, but you saw that skill not deteriorate despite Joe Thornton 
getting close to age 40, right? I think Barabanov's skill set will be one that ages well with with whoever he continues to play with. Um, And I think he's more valuable to the Sharks than maybe he might be to another team, right? Um, Bear Banov is not like a big penalty killer. Um, he's an asset on the power play, right? Um, and he's going to be that kind of gel, that glue guy on a line that can, you know, if you need him to kind of be the playmaker or be a secondary player or, you know, be the transition guy, he can do that. Um, so I think the Sharks will have to make a decision and I think they will keep one of them, um, but not both. So we will see. So um, before we continue um, and we talk about some news and notes, get caught up, uh, talk about who's going to be the starter for uh, tonight's game against the Vegas Golden Knights and what we heard from Joe Will and John McCarthy at the San Jose Barracuda do need to take a quick break. And talk to you guys about our good friends over at Sleeper. Uh, The NHL season is here. I love the NHL. You love the NHL. You're listening, literally listening to a podcast about the NHL. And that's why I want to tell you about the Sleeper app. Uh, Sleeper app is the official daily fantasy app of Locked On NHL Network. It's my go-to for daily fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy hockey. With Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash on daily fantasy. NHL's never been more exciting. There's so many amazing players out there, right? You got McDavid. Uh, you got Bedard. You got Crosby, Mc, uh, Kale McCarr. Whoever your favorite player is, isn't it fun to root for them to do awesome things? Now, with the Sleeper app, you just pick more or less stats for each of the stats on the stars, like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more. You heard me, Sharks fans, a hundred time payout on Sleeper. So start paying attention and get your picks right, and you could win big. Use promo code locked on NHL and get a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's locked on NHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, let's finish up this episode with some news and notes. Uh, Logan Couture, it sounds like he had a setback today. Um, so I still expect that week to week now. I was thinking maybe my the kind of mental was that maybe by the start of the uh, Sharks kind of East Coast swing road trip uh, here. Now I'm not so certain, right? Because uh, again, they 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 start the season um, at home with a bunch of games. Yes, they're all very very tough games, but they are at home, right? Um, with you know the, the first opponent of the schedule right now, Sharks second in the division. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they start four games at home before they go on the road for six, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, five games. Yeah. Five games on the East coast before getting back in November, beginning of November. I, I mean, if Couture doesn't make the beginning of the road trip, would you be surprised if Couture just, we don't see Couture till beginning of November. Um, so they get back November 2nd versus Vancouver. Um, they play the 29th and they have a nice kind of four days. So they can get back. He can start practicing uh, with the team. Then, you know, once they kind of get back from it and kind of get get back into the swing of things. So um, we shall see. Again, I think the next kind of deadline now is um, that October 21st game against Nashville, right? They play 
19th versus Boston, and then they head out to Nashville um, after that. So if he doesn't start the East Coast swing, again, it's Nashville, Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Washington. Um, if he doesn't start that East Coast swing, I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of wait until the Sharks get back into town uh, where they play Vancouver, Pittsburgh, Philly. They have a, another home stand there. So that's where I would kind of expect. Um David Quinn also did name Capo Kakinen the starter, which I fully support. I think Capo Kakinen's been the better of the two goalies between him and Blackwood. Not that Blackwood's in bad. I just think Cap, we talked about a lot yesterday. I think Capo Kakinen just looks like a different dude this year. So then finally, uh, the Barracuda did have some media availability where I did get to ask some questions. So quick kind of rundown on some of the uh, stuff there. Um, Gannon LaRocque, uh, they're going to kind of, Play it slow with him. So you're going to keep him in San Jose for now. See how he continues to rehab, right? He's still kind of dealing with some of those hip issues. They don't think it's going to be long-term, but they want to be very, very cautious with Gannon Uh, Just because, again, he's 20 years old and you don't want this hip injury to be a kind of thing he deals with the rest of his career. Better to be slow with him. Keep him in-house. You can kind of keep an eye on him. And then once he kind of gets back into the swing of things, they can make a decision. Do they want to send him back to the WHL? Uh, which you can kind of do at any time, right? With, with Since he's in the, the American Hockey League and he's also 20, right? You can send him back at any time. Um, remember, Ozzy Weisblatt's rights were traded last year, even though he spent the entire season in the AHL. His rights were traded at the trade deadline just in case the Sharks or, or Barracuda wanted to send him back. But um, they're going to do that. So they're going to kind of keep him around, let him rehab. Um, no offense to the WHL or Victoria. I'm sure they have fine doctors, but um, you're getting kind of NHL caliber. Uh, you know, like it's right down the hall, right? You can, they can. Uh, physical therapy you, you're getting nhl caliber versions of that uh right there that's the nice thing about having your affiliates uh right there in the same building they can work together so making sure galen rock is getting the best treatment possible uh for the long-term benefit of of him so uh same thing with artem Giraf. he i think he's been a little banged up but they do they're going to kind of let him test out in in uh, the AHL. They want to kind of get a good look at him before making a decision, a decision about sending him back to the OHL. Uh, I, know, I think the Flintsburg Firebirds still have his rights. Um, don't quote me on that, but he can he can officially go back to the WH or back to the OHL if he wants. Uh, but I think they're going to want to give him a, a nice long look um, before sending him back. So. Um, some other news and notes. They uh, officially signed. Uh, I know they haven't announced it yet, but they did officially sign uh, Tanner Kaspic and Justin Bailey to AHL deals. Uh, I like the move for both of those. I thought both those guys showed a lot. And I think Justin Bailey is going to be a good addition, uh, especially on the scoring front for the Barracuda. For what I think is going to be a really, really fun, scrappy Barracuda team, I think uh, should be a playoff caliber team. Um but both those guys are on AHL only deals. Um, and the nice thing is if you need them, kind of like Derek pulled out last year, if you kind of need one of these guys, you can always sign them to an NHL deal basically at any time in the season. And then you just got to run them through waivers. Uh, but that's usually not a big deal, especially with, with a guy like that. Right. Um, you know, I don't think you have to worry about a guy like uh, Justin Bailey getting, uh, getting signed and, or getting, plucked in late in the season if you need a guy like that to kind of jump up for you um 
Ito McAnemi, Georgie Romanoff, and uh, Magnus Krona. It looks like they're going to be a three-headed uh, goalie attack right now. Um, but don't be surprised if one or multiple of them maybe go down and play uh, in the ECHL with the Wichita Thunder. They'd want to make sure all these guys are getting games. If I had to pick, I think Magnus Krona is the backup right now. Um, but Georgie Romanov, from what it sounds like, he's been having a very great training camp, uh, works really hard, and I, I wouldn't, he could be one of those guys that kind of makes a big push at the end of the season. And if there's a trade or if there's an injury and Etu Makanemi comes up, I, I feel very, I think they feel very confident in both those guys kind of being kind of taking the load uh, in the AHL and not kind of skipping a beat for, for the Barracuda as they make a, a kind of a big push here. Um, Tristan Robbins is, they say, day to day after his injury on Saturday night, but he will not be available for the weekend. I know. And then Valtteri Pulley should be potentially available. Uh, they're going to kind of keep an eye on him, but it sounds like he should be available um, for the Barracuda this weekend. So, Kind of your wrap up on Barracuda news there. Um, so yeah, I think the Barracuda they open their season on Friday night. Um, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be fun. I, I, I really think the Barracuda this year are gonna be really fun. I think, like I said, I think they have a really good mix of veteran guys, they've got some NHL talent, especially with like Oscar Limblom, uh, Jacob Peterson. You got young guys like Robbins and Co. and Daniel Gushin. I this, this team just has all the makings to be a, a really competitive team for for in the AHL, and that's what you want to see, right? Is um, that winning culture continue to 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 grow? And then if Bordalo goes down at some point, um, then you're just adding like another great piece to it. So, and at the end of the season, when you start getting some of those uh, prospects like Philip Beasted, and if Quentin Musty jumps there, like they're this the end of the season, Barracuda are going to be super fun. So. That's going to be it for me today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow where we're going to uh, recap the first game of the season against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts. And of course, you can subscribe on YouTube as well. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram at Lockdown Sharks. You can follow me on Twitter at my fry hole. Till tomorrow. Bye, friends. <laughs>